It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hey, Torin. So it feels like it's been a moment since I've vibed with my pod partner. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the lead with Corey last week from Weed Maps. Yeah. I absolutely loved that conversation. And I think it was, he was really transparent and covered so many of the things like that we've touched with some of our EB conversations over the last couple months. Yeah. But I have to tell you, I was super bummed to not get the chance to talk to him because he was really high on my list. How are you? Yeah. And that eight mile concept is one he shared with me when we were in New York a couple of months ago and he shared it. I knew that it was something that we had to talk about, but a great conversation with Corey Eustace out in California with Weed Maps, an incredible guy also from Iowa, a, a city about an hour, hour and a half from where I grew up in Iowa. So we share that similarity, if you will. Uh, and now we're trying to control opposite ends and coasts of these United States. And the answer is I'm good. Everything is wonderful. Been on the move and you have as well, like your, your photo, your photo uh, library, that photo bank is, is on full tilt. You are taking like crazy pictures. If I survive till the end of November, I'm going to take like a two month break. But if anyone is out and about, I will be out and about basically till December. Yeah. So, so let me tell you, uh, you may not have known this, but a couple of days ago, it was international podcast day. So I didn't really talk about it. Uh, on social media, but I am sharing it with, with folks here. I don't know exactly what International Podcast Day is, but what I can tell you is that a year from now, Julie and I would love to be able to say that we've had 50,000 downloads. Oh, yeah. 50,000 downloads. So for all of you who are listening, let us just insert now. This will be a great time for you to subscribe. If you are new to Crazy and the King, find that subscribe button on the platform of your choice. You know, be kind and share it on social media. We're going to talk about um, two incredible stories this week. Uh, you know, just share them on social media and just make sure that you encourage other people that we are not, you know, trying to have conversations that focus only on the negative. But Julie and I really are trying to shift the narrative around diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. So with that, Julie, why don't you kick off our first story? So a friend of mine sent me an article from The Guardian that came out late last week called TikTok's Local Moderation Guidelines Ban Pro-LGBT Content. So it, it, it caught me and I'm like, okay, well, that's something I feel like Torn and I would talk about. But then I started to kind of get deeper into it and TikTok is owned by China. And so obviously China has a lot of censorship activities that happen on the regular in China, but we're learning through the reporting that The Guardian is doing that this is actually well beyond the scope of just Chinese censorship. What do you mean that it's beyond just Chinese censorship? They have, and in a way I I appreciate some of these efforts because I think that there is still a lot to 
learn about how we manage this internet of things. The Washington Post had an article out this week about how the internet is significantly influencing sex trafficking and child exploitation and how do we start to manage that. So there, there are conversations that we need to have in this regard. But what TikTok has done is they've provided basically kind of a layer of moderation techniques, aka censorship, to provide general guidelines to restricting content in countries with more conservative moral codes, right? So these can be anything from talking about certain things for women, female bodies, and LGBTQ relationships, but it is also working on censoring content, even in Northern Ireland, about um, potentially controversial topics like a united Ireland in Northern Ireland. So they're like really kind of pouring on all of these various layers in their moderation techniques. But now they've also set out another set of standards, which is the strict gui- guidelines. So right, the first one I've been talking about are the the loose moderation guidelines, and these are the strict guidelines. And they are very specifically targeted at removing LGBTQ interactions and censoring depictions of homosexuality on TikTok as an app. And so that could include intimate activities, um, holding hands, touching, kissing, but also reports of LGBTQ people in the media, in movies, in pictures. And even I, I think top of that list is any content about protecting rights or promotion of, of LGBTQ rights. It, they, But they're all about kind of blocking information that would get to this group and help them acclimate um, and feel more included in their general community, but also in um, promoting ideals of equality and protection for LGBTQ community. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just did a quick Google search and it looks like it has been banned in a number of countries where they have more conservative moderation standards. But what TikTok is saying, Julie, is that they actually have two sets of moderation guidelines and that the stricter set of guidelines is really supposed to be limited to countries with those conservative moral codes and and that the other guidelines are a little bit less, if you will. And so I think what they are trying to do uh, as an organization, it looks like what they are trying to do is 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 shape or make the app malleable to the country in which they are. So I don't know, because I've never used the app. And quite frankly, honestly, I've never heard of TikTok prior to our story this evening. So I haven't had a great deal of time to kind of look at what they do. But what I am looking at, and I'm looking at something on digitalmusicnews.com, they are actually saying that the most troubling revelation is the one that you just mentioned around LGBT content and that all intimate activities between persons of the same sex defined as holding hands, touching or kissing is to be censored. Other content to be blocked is content promoting homosexual rights. And so I think what will happen really is that in these these countries, it's really going to be incumbent upon the the people in those respective countries. Wouldn't you agree? To an extent, right? So t- two things. Okay. One, so TikTok is basically the new Vine, right? It's your 20-something, 10, 20-something user, 10 to 15 second silly videos, that um, are put on the platform. They can be anything from silly dog videos to how to make my makeup better to 
video games. It, it's it kind of runs the gamut. And so it's not, I would say, like it's not an app that I use regularly, uh, but my kids do, my nieces and nephews do. And so it does have a really large kind of reach. The other thing that I would say is that because TikTok has not been transparent about those moderation guidelines, it's not necessarily the case that the com- the country would know that these moderations or these censorship rules have been put in place. It's very much driven by what TikTok thinks is appropriate. And they're also making sure that LGBTQ content is restricted in certain countries that LGBTQ relationships are not illegal. And in some of those places, those countries, they've never been illegal. So it's not based on on law. It's really based on a set of decision makers at TikTok in China that are making these moderation guidelines. So I don't feel confident about the transparency and I don't even feel confident about the transparency or the lack of censorship over content that's available in the United States to, you know, the user. I think the user really gets to determine, you know, the viability of that particular app in any other app. And I think if there's a groundswell of individuals that get together in India or China or some of these other places, because they also make reference to, you know, censoring content around political leaders, if you will. And so as much as we gripe, you know, look at look at the way that Twitter is being used here by, uh, you know, a variety of people, whether it be hate groups, whether it be political figures, whether it be, you know, folks like you or I, uh, for the most part, we have a great deal of latitude on the Twitter platform, but that when people coalesce together and they say, you know, enough is enough, you can strike, you can strike some result. And so you saw Twitter, you know, several times this year, ban a number of people. Uh, and some of the people banned, I actually didn't feel like they needed to be banned, quite frankly. And so I think that it will come down to, you know, again, I just don't know how how much this is an issue for people in these respective countries, uh, because A, I wasn't really familiar with the app. So thank you for educating me that there's a new Vine out. I shouldn't be surprised, but, uh, you know, a Vine-like app, I should say. But I really do think that it's incumbent upon. Uh, well, let me ask in a different way. So when you raise the story, are you raising the story because you feel like as listeners, as people here, there's something that we can do? We have some level of influence. So I do, I always think that the end user has a level of influence. I'm very committed to using my dollar, using my voice to make sure that important things to me, important causes to me are furthered and certain protections are furthered. But the kind of fundamental, I think, way that I think about it differently than you is people in India, people in China, people in some of these other countries where LGBTQ people are regularly and routinely murdered for being in a relationship or being exposed to or or being caught, I guess is a better word, engaging in, in LGBTQ relationships, not having access to content and people who help them stay alive, help them stay engaged to their community, help them build a voice that they understand what it's like outside of that oppression has to be has to be driven, right? I don't really care if the Indian government doesn't like LGBTQ relationships. My concern is 
how can we use social media in a positive way to help people who are in those situations build their own voice? That being said, kind of you brought it right back around to where I started this this kind of post and my thought process is where's the balance? Where is the place where we need to get to in this conversation about how we use the internet without infringing on other people's rights to free speech, but not creating censorship and not creating extremism. And I think that this is one of the moral, fundamental policy grapplings we're going to have to have as a, as a global community in the next five years and if we don't, we're gonna we're going to continue to see the destabilization of I'll say it Western society, and we're going to see continued increases in censorship, child exploitation, and lack of rights and engagement for very vulnerable communities. So I think it's so much bigger than just this TikTok story. And you hit right on that. Like this is a big conversation that we have to get ready to have. Yeah. So, I mean, again, and when you start talking about uh, global implications, when you talk about destabilization, uh, when you say the Western Hemisphere, I think of, you know, how many how many times is a conversation like this being placed uh, before the U.N.? You know, how, how much is, is this type type of of concern, you know, on the agenda of discussion? And, and so while I know that groups of people far more equipped to have the conversation than I am are having it. I wonder, I just wonder, um, because I'm not knowledgeable. So I wonder how much access do they have to, um, you know, these political figures that can take that conversation back to their respective countries. Because again, you know, our trying to police some of these places is ineffective. Really our, I think our role, you and you and I and, and all our listeners is to A, decide if you're going to be a TikTok user decide if you're going to be a TikTok employee because they are hiring, especially at the campus level for influencers. And how can you also help raise awareness and educate yourself and others about some of these very, very sensitive issues related to very vulnerable people, not just in the United States, but outside of it and help to drive that conversation with the leaders who, who frankly, you're right, are going to be the ones that make those decisions in the end. And we need to be pushing them to make those decisions. So you did a great way of just kind of putting a ribbon around that, you know, in the sense of, you know, what is it that you willing to stand for? And, 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 and what are you willing to exchange that core belief, those core values in terms of a paycheck, compensation, employment? And so I love that you that's a perfect way of, of, you know, bringing that story home, if you will. We raise the issue, but we raise the issue in a way that allows you, the listener, to raise the issue as well, because, you know, some talented individuals and there are certainly a number of ways for for all of us to be effective. We can take action through a number of different venues uh, and you don't have to have a podcast to do that. It's by voting with your attention, your use, your dollar, who you're willing to commit your talents and skills to. So thank you very much for that part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's get into your story, story number two today. What, what do you got on the table for us? Well, so, you know, ageism is extremely important. It's something that continues to be a pressing issue for a number of people. And, and I think what I wanted to do today was to really just try to approach such from a how not 
to harass a particular group of employee angle. Um, and, you know, again, it's no secret that we have multiple generations in the workplace, Julie. And I think, you know, if I'm if I'm correct, uh, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of four right now, four different generations uh, are in the workplace. And and quite frankly, there are several reasons why, you know, people are in the workplace because of their compensation, their skill level. Some people, Julie, are going to be in the workplace because of medical obligations, maybe even financial mismanagement, if we're honest. You know, some folks made money in the 70s and the 80s and maybe even the 90s, the 2000s and the economic collapse of 08 could have absolutely obliterated them. We got some folks uh, that uh, are in jail and prison right now for absolutely taking people's pensions and savings. And so there's so many reasons why people are in the workplace, but no matter who they are, firm believer that every single person should be welcome, whether they are 18 or 80, as long as they can do the work, I feel that they should be welcome. And so ageism really is costing employers, um, you know, because bottom line is a lot of them, Julie, are finding themselves in toxic work environments uh, that are destructive on team building, retention and productivity. And no matter how much we we kind of nab at Sherm every once in a while. <laughs> fix it, Sherm. Shout out to Victorio. Shout out to Victorio for the hashtag Fix It Sherm. They actually uh, commissioned a, re- a research report back in July, if I'm not mistaken. And that report is titled The High Cost of a Toxic Workplace Culture, How Culture Impacts the Workforce. And they really released last week some of the findings of that report. And what we found is that you know, 58% of employees who quit a job do so due to the culture. And they really feel, Julie, like the manager is responsible for that culture. And it's really costing organizations somewhere in the neighborhood of $200, $223 billion over the last five years. That's a lot of money. You know what I mean? If we as D&I professionals could spend the next five years shouting from the rooftops, you have to train your frontline managers how to lead and how to live your culture and then allow them to do so. Yep. So many of these problems would go away. So many of these problems are fixable, but we continue to hire people who are good at doing and not training them how to lead. And that's like, as soon as you said that, I'm like, Yes, can we do this? Because it is the frontline manager and it is that is the person that's impacting you every single day when you go to work. Yeah, absolutely. So the stories that I found last week, um, I actually got both of them from HR Dive, loving their newsletter. Uh, so one story, Julie, there were two that I want to uh, highlight, but but one story was of a Google employee, a formal, former uh, Google worker says his manager drove him out, quote, tell grandpa to pick up the pace. So unfortunately, this frontline manager referred to a 72-year-old Rodney Broom as grandpa. And Mr. Rodney Broom is really suing uh, Google, claiming he experienced numerous instances of age-based harassment, discrimination, and even intimidation. Like if you read the story, Julie, you'll even find places where the manager said, hey, Rodney, something's going to happen to your vehicle. And guess what? Something happened to the man's vehicle in the parking lot at a Google complex. Like crazy. 
Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and again, it's just it's a pervasive problem in the workplace. And 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 mind you, Google actually settled an age bias class action lawsuit earlier this year, July uh, of this year. And in, in such 227 plaintiffs claim the company like engaged in systemic age discrimination. So like you would think and and I know that every once in a while people feel like when they're listening to you and I that we are picking on the big tech behemoths. And that's not the case. It's just simply that, you know, we're not reporters. We both have roles that we play in this DNI space. And so we are merely sharing some of the news that may be missing uh, our listeners radar. And it just so happens that these large tech companies continue to be in the news. But it only makes sense when you have a hundred thousand employees, fifty thousand employees, two hundred thousand employees. Well, you're you'll do things to make the news, but but all two hundred thousand of you can go to work and act like you got some damn sense. Yeah, I think that's kind of a cop out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like you really don't have to sit there and talk to first of all, who picks on a seventy two year old man? Like what joy do you get out of harassing someone that is in their 70s. Like if it's me, I'm going to sit and have lunch because, you know, I'm just guessing, Julie, that Rodney Broom is probably an affable person with some stories to tell, some history that he can share. And, you know, what's it like to be 70? Like he can be in an environment and just make it fun. Like I enjoy being around people with tenure and experience, but that's just me. So I hope that the the manager that that was leading uh, Mr. Rodney Broom, I hope that, you know, he finds himself just in a new profession or certainly going through some very serious, serious leadership development training. The other story that I I have also from HR Dive. And again, if you've not read the the newsletter, hrdive.com. But the other story was in reference to Louisiana Pacific Corporation, where a 58 year old supervisor. So we ain't talking about somebody that's real, real old, Julie, allegedly made multiple negative comments to a 52 year old employee name calling postmenopausal comments and so much more. Just, you know, continuous, destructive engagement of an individual for no reason whatsoever. None outside of the fact that she was just older and the lady felt like she can pick on her. And so what I really want listeners to understand is that age discrimination or the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, some people call it ADEA, ADEA, prohibits discrimination and harassment based on age against applicants and employees age 40 or older. This was instructional for me because I didn't know cut off or the line was 40. I actually thought that it was a little older. I thought it was my age. Just being truthful, I thought it was 50 and above. I didn't know that it was 40. And so what I want people to understand, and I want you to hear me clearly, what's very important is that our oldest millennial is 40. So while you are sitting in your workplace feeling like, you know, I can just kind of razz that individual, you know, I can kind of gnaw at that individual because they're 40, they're young, they're spry, you know, they're still coming to work with their red bottoms on or, you know, their nice suits or, you know, they're fit, athletically fit. But truly at 40, they are covered under ADEA. I just want people to be careful. 
I want you to be careful, period. But I want you to really be thoughtful because you can hit a landmine in this current workplace that we are in with four different generations. I think you're spot on. At some point, right, Rodney Broom, he's 72, but he worked for Google. So what kind of history and what kind of experience did Google lose because they allowed the frontline leader to behave in this way? And I think this is one that we should continue to to follow because I get that people sometimes think we're we're picking on big tech, but guess what? Big tech just keeps fucking up. Yeah. And it's all in the news. And so if they don't want to get talked about as much, then they should start to really get in front of these frontline managers. I mean, just like the story we talked about a couple weeks ago, it was absolutely related to the frontline manager behaving in a way that was supported by an additional letter or layer of leadership. And that seems like we've got some systemic culture issues that are happening at Google. And I think it's also important to know about the, the Louisiana PAC story is that as women get older in the workplace, they are devalued much more quickly than men are as they age in the workplace. And so for women, there's kind of this like, you're young and pretty and you've got nothing to say, so just be young and pretty. And then there's all of a sudden you're you know over 50 and you have no value at all. And so there's just this really tight window of time that women feel like they can make their mark. And if they don't make their mark in that time, then they don't have a lot of opportunity I think that that is changing, but that is something that we can't just, you know, we can't in itself group ageism altogether. People are aging into into disabilities. People are aging and they're female. They're aging and they're LGBTQ, right? So there are lots of nuances that we don't have time to get into now that are also part of this. Yeah, I'm so upset just because of what you just said. I literally got an email earlier today and I just deleted it in the way that my system is. Um, the story is gone and it said something about beauty is not always to your advantage. Speaking to your point around women and their aging and their looks shifting over time and how people are accepting them and dealing and interacting with them. So you you raised a very good point. Not something that we should take advantage. Uh, I'm sorry, take lightly. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to share, Julie, as it relates to this story is that, you know, again, we're not suggesting that people become extremely sensitive in the workplace. That's not the reason why I raised the story, uh, because the EEOC says that age-related harassment can include offensive and derogatory remarks about a person's age, but the law does not extend to, quote, simple teasing, offhand comments, or isolated, non-serious incidents, but it does prohibit harassment that creates a hostile work environment or results in adverse employment decisions such as termination or demotion. And so we're just saying be thoughtful. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's just do a better job of being thoughtful. Why is it that we are operating the way that we are operating and why are employees, employers not putting more responsibility and more? Let me me go a different direction. Charlotte Marshall, Dallas Mavericks. She just took over the Dallas Mavericks after uh, the issues that they had. And she talked at Talent Connect last week. and, And one of the things that she said in terms of turning around the culture over the last year was zero tolerance. You know, bottom line is zero tolerance. We are not, if we can prove that you have harassed anyone inside of the Maverick organ, Cynthia Marshall, I'm sorry, not Charlotte, Cynthia Marshall. If we can prove that you have harassed anyone inside of the Maverick organization, it's over. You're done. Like we're not getting ready to go back and forth. 
We're not going to put you through training. You are costing us. You are toxic to our culture. You are done. More employers need to have a zero tolerance policy. I'd, I'd love to hear more from her. That's great. So I think we've got a lot of great stuff that we've been talking about already. So why don't we get to name drops? Do you have some name drops this week, Tor? Yeah, I'm going to go real. I'm going to go first and real quick with us uh, approaching. When I say us, all of us, uh, October is National Disability Employee Awareness Month, National Disability Employee Awareness Month. I'm encouraging every single listener to reach out to your human resources department, to reach out to your CHRO if you have one, to reach out to the person that is in the seat, the stead of Chief Diversity Chief Inclusion Officer, and find out what the organization is doing to support people with disabilities. Are you actively going after recruiting those individuals in your organization? Are you participating or supporting organizations in your community or your region that support people with disabilities? Are you doing anything? What is the organization doing to celebrate people with disabilities? That's my name drop. Every single person listening, I want you to take the flag to someone in your organization and see if they'll run with you with that flag. Awesome. So yeah, I'm excited to kick off Indeem. Our team is so pumped up and we have so many events coming on this this month. I think it's just going to be great. My two name drops this week, one to the the wonderful Tim Sackett, who I finally got home and opened my mail and I have my t-shirt. I'm hoping- Tell him. <laughs> Tell him. What color is it? Tell him. Well, it's 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 white. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm, listen, I'm not going to force you to reveal what's in your packages. I mean, because mail <laughs> is a special thing. So I'm not getting ready to make you tell everyone what's in your packages, but I will tell everyone, follow you on Twitter, Julie Sowas, J-U-L-I-E-S-O-W-A-S-H. Follow Julie. I assure you over the next couple of weeks- you will see what was in that pack. Promise. Oh, yes, you will. And hopefully it will be a picture at HR Tech this week with Mr. Sackett, where I'll be able to uh, finally complete that circle. And I think HR Tech is what? The first through the third? First through the fourth. So I'm actually right. going to be there Tuesday through Thursday this week. So when this pod drops, I will be there. Good. And other quick name drop to Tori Palmer, who... I saw at TA Tech for about two seconds last week in Austin. My man. He is awesome. I just want to he say is. thanks for all he's done to promote the show and to promote our Facebook page. Um, thanks, Tori. Hopefully you're going to be in Vegas this week and I'll actually get to chat. Yeah, Tori, if you're listening, you owe me a text message. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You owe me a text message oh. because I'm supposed to be on the balcony with you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Noted. So what about travel tour? You got anything coming up or are you finally getting a little break? I get a break and I'm happy about it. Like I get to get rejuvenated. I have some major corporate events coming up towards the end of the month and beginning of November. It is going to be fire. So I'm going to relax for the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. So as I said, I'll be at HR Tech this week. Um, then I'll be headed to Chicago. So if I've got any Chicago area land listeners um, and you want to meet up while I'm in Chicago, ping me on social. And uh, then we're doing, and we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks, but doing a great event with smart recruiters in mid-October in San Francisco. That's going to be legit impactful and it's really going to make big waves in our community. So I'm super excited about that. 
follow us on all the social media. I know you have Julie's handle. I know you'll find my handle. We close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe. Make sure you get inside of your workplace and you find your voice. You got to agitate every once in a while inside of the workplace. But that agitation is not just for spite. That agitation is because we want you to be a better human. We say it all the time. The value, the ROI of diversity and inclusion is greater humanity. Have an awesome rest of the week. Catch me on Sirius XM channel 126 at 1 p.m. this Sunday. And for now, Julie and I are ghosts. See ya. Thanks for listening to Crazy and the King. I'm Julie Sowash with my co-host, Torin Ellis. Follow us on social media, but you can also now find Crazy and the King on Facebook at our website, crazyandtheking.com, or follow our hashtag like you have been. This episode was produced by me, Julie Sowash. Our music is by the amazing DJ Cells straight out of Baltimore. And if you like our podcast, please rate it and share it with a friend. See ya. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.